When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Keith? I'm warm. Oh, it is warm. It's a little warm. It's warm. I shouldn't complain, though, because it's been a, a cool summer in Los Angeles, but the warmth has arrived upon us. Are it's you cool? here. Are you cool for the summer? Yes. Uh, it's not a cruel summer. It's a cool summer. Correct. Um <laughs> Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever is only the second album released in 2021 to spend its first two weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. How Nas notches his highest charting album since 2012, and how George Harrison, thanks to a reissue of his classic number one album, All Things Must Pass, is back in the top 10 for the first time since 1988. Plus, The Weeknd's Take My Breath debuts in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, while the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber stay sits tight at number one for a second week. Also on the show, we've got news about Lizzo's new song, Rumors, with Cardi B, Barbara Streisand sharing her unfiltered thoughts about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born remake, and Madonna's new partnership with her longtime label home, Warner Music Group. What does it all mean? Obviously, our friend Keith, Madonna superfan, will have all of those answers. I won't, but we can still <laughs> talk about it. But we can discuss. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. Yes, that was my daughter. Is she okay? I feel like you should leave that in. Okay. But she's okay. Oh, she's fine. She okay. doesn't like when I'm not in the house. She doesn't, she doesn't like mama recording a podcast. Oh, my Lord. Okay, well... Let's do the chart chat. First up, Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever holds atop the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a second week on top, as the album earned 85,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending August 12th, and that's down 64%, according to MRC data. The album debuted at number one a week ago, with 238,000 units earned in its first week, and that was the fifth largest week of 2021 for any album. Notably, 
Happier Than Ever is the second album released in 2021 to spend its first two weeks at number one, following Morgan Wallen's Dangerous The Double Album, which spent 10 weeks at number one, all consecutive, from its debut on the January 23rd dated chart. I feel like some people would think that Olivia Rodrigo Sour would be on that list, but she never nope. had her weeks consecutive at all, did she? She just had like two that in. were consecutive. They just weren't her first two. Her first two. Right. Yeah. All right. Also in the top 10 on the Billboard 200, Nas scores his 15th top 10 and highest charting effort since 2012 as King's Disease 2, which was announced only a week before its release on August 6th, debuts at number three. The set earned 56,000 equivalent album units in its first week and also arrives at number one on both the top R&B hip-hop albums chart and the rap albums chart. King's Disease 2, a sequel to last year's top 10 hit King's Disease, is Nas's highest charting album since 2012's Life is Good debuted at number one on the August 4th, 2012 dated list. I know a lot of the interest around that one was um, because of the Lauren Hill feature on it, because they obviously famously previously recorded a big song together, so people were excited about that. All right. Next, George Harrison's former number one album, All Things Must Pass, returns to the top 10 for the first time since 1971, as the set re-enters at number seven, following its 50th anniversary reissue on August 6th. The album was newly mixed and reissued in a variety of formats for its release, and all versions of the album, including the original 1970 release, are combined for tracking and charting purposes. The album, which was Harrison's third solo studio effort and his first number one, topped the Billboard 200 for seven consecutive weeks in 1971, from the January 2nd through February 13th, 1971 dated charts. It launched a pair of top 10 hits on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. His first number one, the double-sided hit My Sweet Lord slash Isn't It a Pity, and the number 10 hit What Is Life. Of course, the Beatles, of which Harrison was a member, what? Who? Uh, landed <laughs> many number ones on both charts before Harrison uh, embarked on his solo career. No stranger to the charts. You may have heard of them, the Beatles. <laughs> uh, with All Things Must Pass returning to the top 10, it marks Harrison's first time in the region since 1988 when Cloud Nine peaked at number eight and. It's also Harrison's highest rank on the Billboard 200 since Dark Horse galloped to number four on the January 25th, 1975 dated chart. Um, lastly, over on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber's Stay sits tied at number one for a second week, while The Weeknd's new single, Take My Breath, starts at number six, marking his 15th, 15th, I'm kidding, marking the 15th Nope, still kidding. Marking the 13th top 10 hit for the superstar and his second highest debut ever. He only started higher with Call Out My Name, which debuted and peaked at number four in 2018. Meanwhile, The weekend also celebrates a major milestone on the Hot 100 as his former number one hit, Blinding Lights, breaks the record for the most weeks on the chart as it spins its 88th week on the list. 88 weeks. Yeah, just as many keys as there are on a piano. When when, <laughs> when was your daughter born? 
more than uh, 88 weeks ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's 15 months old. So she was born in May 2020, and this song has been kicking since uh, 2019. So, yeah. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> well, so in Breaking the Record, uh, Blinding Lights passes Imagine Dragons Radioactive, which previously had the record, with 87 weeks on the list from 2012 to 2014. This week, Blinding Lights is number 18 on the Hot 100. It previously spent four weeks at number one in 2020. During its chart run, it has broken records left and right, including for the most time spent in the top five, 43 weeks, in the top 10, 57 weeks, in the top 20, 79 weeks, and even in the top 40, 84 weeks. Dang. He also, he posted a reaction uh celebrating it on Instagram today. I, I saw that, and I was going to try to quote him, but he didn't say anything super specific about he this He said, movie. big week for blinding lights, or big, big day, or maybe big day for blinding lights, something to that effect. <laughs> he did, he, he had, he, there was a number of photos in that Instagram post, and the very last one was like a comic where it looked like it was two illustrations of the weekend in a cartoon, mm-hmm. and um, one of them was about to start singing blinding lights and then the other one and he's wearing he's wearing the red suit jacket of the after hours era and then the new one it's like no the dawn's coming we gotta move on (laughs) Uh, all right well in news lizzo and cardi b released the most talked about new song last week with rumors and a splashy new music video to match so let's take a quick listen to the new song. All the rumors are true, yeah. I've been in the bamboo, yeah. Focused on this music. My- well, this is the first new music from Lizzo in years following her major pop breakthrough with Truth Hurts and Good As Hell. And she came in with a bang. Um, you know, Keith and I have not really talked about it too much, but I have to say the video is so much fun. Fans have been comparing it to the Disney movie Hercules and Cardi's showing off her pregnant belly again. Um, but I might have wanted something a little bit more musically. I think I think the the promise of Cardi and Lizzo together might have overpromised to me as mm. a music listener where I was I don't know, I was expecting like WAP part 2 or something and I did not exactly get it. Um so I'm excited to hear what else Lizzo has. Um, Keith, did you check out the video and listen to the song yet? Yeah, I mean it's 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 super um, super eye catching. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a subtle way of putting it. Um, <laughs> and um, it's just great to have Lizzo back. Yes, and it's just great to to hear her again. And um, she just wants to squash some rumors. What's That's what's all. so wrong with that? That's all. That's she all. She drops drops Drake's name in the song too. it's funny it's very entertaining um uh, i know a lot of people are loving it keith do we have any indication yet where it could possibly land on the hot 100 next week maybe i mean it's it's already off to a pretty decent start on radio um and i think there's been tons of interest in the video yeah so that will certainly help it as well um i do not have a specific forecast for you katie okay um but i know i mean if 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 you haven't, I mean, by the time this airs, it, you know, I don't know, may, they may be sold out. But, um, you know, certainly Lizzo is um, kind of uh, trying everything she can to make sure that it um, does really well in its first week on her web store. She's selling three different casingles. Oh, there, there we go with the cassettes again. Yeah, casingles and, and Billy. Um, some CD singles and even a flexi disc. Oh, you know what that is? Okay, I don't. I mean. 
It makes me think of like a computer disc, but what is it? No, it's um I actually have one. I'll well I'll show you later. It's um it's like a really thin vinyl record. That's okay. it's like you used to like way back in the day you would find them inside magazines like oh, oh it's a free yeah. flexi disc. No, I 100% like in a remember those. Box. 100% remember those. Yes. So, um I have one for Post Malone for Circles, I think. And um they they Lizzo made one and and you can play it on your record player. It's that's actually That's kind of a that's a fun comeback. What's the actual like material of it? I'm unclear on that. Okay. Um, I'm assuming it's some sort of super thin vinyl. I don't know. That's what I'm wondering if the production is simpler than, you know, a regular vinyl, because obviously that's been held. That I know it it, from from I've I've read that it can take maybe about five weeks or so to make a flexi disc. And whereas vinyl right now, you you won't get anything made for like months and months. Wow. Or something. Yeah. Okay. The return of flexi discs. Um, (laughs) I don't know about that. Let's not get too crazy. Um, so next up, Barbara Streisand has been out and about promoting her new album, um, Release Me Too. We didn't talk about that at the start of the show. It, it debuts at number 15 on the Billboard 200 this week. That's right. Congrats and to um, congrats to Barbara. And on her promo tour, she gave a very candid interview to Australian outlet The Project, sharing her thoughts on the Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga remake of A Star is Born and calling it the wrong idea, quote unquote. So, of course, what, the 20... 20- <laughs> Barbara herself appeared in A Star is Born, which itself was a remake the third time over. Exactly. So, of course, the 2018 film was the fourth version, actually, following the original in 1937, then the Judy Garland version in 1954, then the Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson remake in 1976. And Barbara explained that when the the rumblings began about uh, a new remake that it was actually supposed to star Will Smith and Beyonce. And she loved that idea. I'm not sure if you remember those headlines. I think Clint Eastwood was attached to direct. Um, And so Barbara really loved that idea. She liked that it was going to be a completely different direction. She was obviously envisioning Will Smith and Beyonce's real life music and thinking that it was going to maybe skew that direction. Maybe hip hop, maybe R&B, who knows. Um, But instead, with the Gaga and Cooper version, Barbara says, quote, I was surprised when I saw how alike it was to the version that I did in 1976. She acknowledged that the movie was a huge hit, of course. Um, And quote, I can't argue with success, but I don't care so much about success as I do originality. So basically, she thought that it was derivative of her her version. I mean... Okay. <laughs> I mean, there, I there haven't are... seen the I haven't seen the Streisand version. Have you? You seen, haven't. Did you? You st- finally saw Gaga Cooper version, right? Still no. <laughs> okay, well, it's gonna be really hard for you and I to like know since neither of us has seen the one that she's comparing it to. That's um, hilarious. Well, uh, I mean, I just from what I know. No, just like on on the surface. You you see that it's like a you know maybe a f- country folky singer songwriter vibe with both her and Lady Gaga's characters and with Bradley Cooper and Chris Christopherson both the like grizzled singer songwriter guitar player guy. Um, having seen the new one, I feel like you know the there's a very like pop star direction that the character takes that I can't imagine in 1976 was. Was the direction? I mean, we're talking about like you know, bubblegum pop, like 
Right. I think maybe what Streisand is saying is that, you know, when they did it in the 70s, it was a a quite different take than the Judy Garland version, which was about act like film actors. Both of them were about actors and actresses, the original ones. Right. The original was just a drama. There was Mm -hmm. it wasn't a musical. And then the next one became a musical. Um, And then Streisand took it in more of like a rock star direction, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. And I'm sure she's probably thinking and she is completely she can have her own viewpoint on this. And she will. She's like. I thought it was going to go in more of an R&B hip hop direction, which would keep retain the idea of the whole conceit of A Star is Born. Yeah. And just take it into a new musical direction as opposed to perhaps what she felt was staying a little bit too close to what she already did. I mean, I don't I'm sure her and Gaga are are still friends. And, you know, I, I would hope this isn't going to ruffle anyone's feathers. Yeah. I, I mean, I think people should be surprised if Barbara does not share her strong opinion <laughs> like that that would be the surprising thing I also thought why did it take three years actually to get this opinion because it, it, she has to have been asked about it in the last three years you would think I mean maybe she said this before and we're just we, we're just focused on it now because she happens to be doing press yeah uh, maybe so but anyway it was it was fascinating as everything that she says is um so uh now i'll go watch her version and keith is assigned to watch the new version <laughs> and finally warner music group has announced a global partnership with madonna that encompasses a new agreement for her entire recorded music catalog the deal that has Madonna returning to her previous longtime label home includes her Sire, Maverick, Warner catalog, plus her three most recent studio albums, MDNA, Rebel Heart, and Madame X, which were all released by Interscope Records, but they will now join the Warner catalog in 2025. Um, Madonna exited Interscope last year, and Warner says its new agreement with Madonna covers 17 studio albums, as well as singles, soundtrack recordings, live albums, and compilations. Okay. So, Keith, let's talk this out. Hmm. Um, for the uninitiated, like, what does this mean? What does this mean to you as a Madonna fan? Um, well, one, I want to say that I don't think it's ever confirmed that she exited Interscope. Um, okay. I believe Madame X was her final album in a three-album deal with Interscope. Okay, okay. So, I mean, is it likely that she would go back to Interscope? Mm, I don't know. Probably not. So, 2020 might be a... Like, that's probably not the right way to say it then, since Madame X came out the year prior, right? Yeah, but we don't... I mean, did we report that? That's what's in our article. Well, then I'm going to go with it. (laughs) I'm going to go with whoever reported that. Um, So the way to read this, when I I saw the press release, um, it was carefully written to be specifically focused on her catalog, meaning Mm -hmm. all of her previously released music. All of basically all of her music, except for those three albums and maybe like a live album or two from those tours, were all with Warner already. And they continue to own all of her master recordings and all of her music. So when she left and went to Interscope um, a number of years ago, she didn't take anything with her. Mm. Like, you know, so um, I'm thinking that this is kind of. Um, partially maybe ignited by the fact that she's currently working on a biopic, uh, a big screen biopic about her life. Mm. And 
she has already said in a num- numerous Instagram videos and posts how it would cover many, many highlights of her professional career that will involve music. So certainly there would have to be permissions given by her old Warner Music Group home to license out all that music to be used in a film. So this is, I would imagine it's like that maybe simplifying that process because yeah. it's making sure all of the music is all in the same home and signed out to the same deal for the movie. I like that theory. Right. And she probably, I think she owns her Interscope recordings and they were basically just licensed out to Interscope. Mm. And that just means that in 2025, you know, maybe the ownership reverts back to her and she brings them over to Warner to let them do what they want, you know, with within reason with yes. them. Um, I mean, the, to me, the big takeaway here is that um, Warner and Madonna are going to start doing deluxe reissues of her catalog, her old albums that will be personally curated, says the press release, by Madonna. Um, this is something that she hasn't done. Unlike many other artists, such as Prince and Guns N' Roses and, and a whole, you know, all sorts of artists from the 80s, they've yet, like Madonna's yet to kind of properly do that in like a super deluxe thing with a bunch of unreleased songs and songs from the vault. So maybe she will do that. That's a thrilling prospect. Yeah, like what does she have in her vault? What yeah. is what is sitting there collecting dust that we haven't heard yet? What about all those classic remixes that we haven't, you know, gotten, you know, put out on vinyl or what it, you know, all these things that could Flexi possibly disc. happen. Flexi discs. <laughs> so to me that's the exciting stuff. Like what yeah. what what was left out from this whole thing um was anything about future recorded music. Right. Which I'm sure is a lot of people's first question. Like, like so where's your next album going to be? Yeah. Will it, it be it with might, Warner? It might not even be part of this, right? I mean, that's why they're not talking about it yet. We don't know. It may not be, but if you're going to work so closely with Warner, says this press release, um, on these reissues, and she's also been, frankly, quite reluctant to revisit her past in such reissue form, um, then either you've had an incredible change of heart um, or you've had an incredible change of heart and they're also giving you a lot of money, hmm. which is probably the An case. incredible change of heart prompted by money. True. Um, <laughs> and perhaps this is also part of a, another chunk of the deal that just hasn't been announced yet, where, which is maybe you are returning to Warner Records to release your next album. Um, another thing that I thought of, because when I think of Warner now, I think of Dua Lipa, who obviously kind of got Warner back into the pop game a little bit, um, uh, you know, recently. And of course, Madonna and Dua have worked together before on the Future Nostalgia remix the Madonna, album. Madonna Dua Lipa duets album. Yeah, uh, like that's what I'm saying. Like, let's get some. I mean, we just we just heard a Dua Lipa Elton John song for the first time last week. Um, uh, let's get the Madonna Dua Lipa like joint uh, remix duet. Something, something beyond the levitating remix that Madonna did. That yes, um, most people are not familiar with. So it played at a wedding I was at this weekend. Really, I almost wondered if it was by mistake. <laughs> The Madonna version? Uh-huh. And that like, you know how people are trying people God are love trying you, to Madonna, but that had to be a mistake. People are trying to sing along to the like, yeah, 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 yeah part. And you know that in that version it changed to yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Madonna singing it. And I was just like looking around at confused face. 
you're the only person in the crowd that's just like you and I'm like, knew guys, what was going on. It's the Blessed Madonna remix, obviously. <laughs> it's the Blessed Madonna remix featuring Madonna and Missy Elliott. <laughs> obviously. When Missy comes in for the bridge, everyone is just like, "What song what? is this? This isn't the baby." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they didn't want to play the DaBaby version at the maybe, wedding. Maybe that's it. They're like, ooh, I could skip the DaBaby version and do this Madonna and Missy Elliott one instead. Oh wow. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so, the, I mean, this is exciting. Like, it'll be exciting to see what happens. And um, I know I've got my money ready. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be paying attention and we'll let you know if and when that we learn about that new music aspect of it. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. I want to say that I've left this blank on the script on purpose. I noticed that. Because it's quiz Katie time. Instead of TK for to come, it should say QK. Oh, quiz QK. Katie. <laughs> well, Katie, 20 years ago, on the August 18th, 2001 dated Billboard 200 chart. Okay. And an album debuted at number one. Okay. It's one of the biggest albums of 2001. So big that it went on to sell nearly 3 million copies in the U.S. alone that year, making it one of the top 15 biggest selling albums of 2001. Katie, can you name the album? And if you can't, I will give you a series of clues that might help you. Well, my first guess, but I think it's too early, is NSYNC Celebrity. Uh, I think it was July. I think that was July. No, but um, I, I will tell you that it actually bumped NSYNC Celebrity from number one, and it spent okay. three weeks at number one. Would, um, let me know if you want another hint. I would like a hint. I would like a hint. It sold 621,000 copies in its first week in the U.S., one of the biggest oh, sales weeks of that year. This is a very big album. I need another hint. The album oh, is no... no, no, no. I got okay. excited. No. All right. The album is no longer in print, and you can't find it on any digital retailers or streamers. What? That's a crazy hint. Really? Really. Is it like one of those Now That's What I Call Music albums? It is. <laughs> it now is? Now That's What I Call Music 7. Yes! Wow! Okay, so talk to me about like what songs were on this Now compilation. So it's the Now That's What I Call Music Volume 7 compilation featuring 19 of the biggest pop hits of the day, including Britney Spears' Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know, Backstreet Boys' The Call, Sync's This I Promise You, Destiny's Child Survivor, Janet Jackson's All For You, and so on. Any of our young listeners have no idea like how this is humanly possible. These numbers based on like a compilation album, it's like, why don't you just listen to a Spotify playlist. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Spotify didn't exist in 2001. That's, that's correct. Um, the, these these were a phenomenon mm-hmm. um, back in sort of the late 90s and on through most of the 2000s, um, back when streaming didn't exist, Apple Music didn't exist, Spotify didn't exist, YouTube didn't exist. And in fact, you, you couldn't buy digital songs as individual recordings because iTunes Store didn't exist until 2003. You couldn't, yes, you couldn't buy them. <laughs> People may have <laughs> illegally downloaded them yeah. from such services as a Napster. But a lot of people hadn't quite figured all that out yet. No. How to burn a CD and, and all yeah. that sort of thing. If, um, if, yeah. if, you weren't, if you weren't like a wired kid in college or high school, 
you probably and like had like broadband and like a good connection. Oh. You probably didn't know how to do this. What a time to get college Ethernet, you guys. It was <laughs> it was incredible. Sounds like Katie's <laughs> revealing that she may have obtained some music. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah I, I, there was a kid this no one needs this story, but I'm telling it anyway. There was a kid when I was a senior in high school, so that was ninety-nine in the two thousand, who had a binder um printed out like like a karaoke book, you know, uh, and it was, you know, artist first, song second, and you like could order a burnt CD with him. <gasps> and you would go, you would pick your like, you know, he's he'd be like, pick like 18 songs, but some songs are longer, so they might not fit or whatever. And he would bring you back your burned personal like mixtape. And you know where he is now? He's now in charge of programming playlists at Spotify. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling. That it's not where he is. Wow. But who knows? <laughs> that's amazing. Well, yes. yeah. So so the now that's what I call music compilations were a phenomenon that started in the UK in the early 80s. Mm. They eventually came to America in 1998 with the first now that's what I call music compilation. Um, and they continued to be a huge thing for a very long time on the charts and also in general with the public. You could not miss their commercials. They were No, that's what I call music. Especially if you were a TRL viewer all over TRL. Literally, Katie has a few of these now. That's what I call music compilations. I did. I actually a... did not own them. I did really? not own them. Yeah, I never amazing. bought one. Not a one. Um, but you know you... what? I had the kid with the binder. <laughs> can you? Yo, okay. You had your own. Now that's what I call binder. <laughs> right. How many of the now that's what I call music albums went to number one, Katie? Oh wow, that's a fun question. I am stunned by the numbers that you just told me. Six hundred and thirty-two in its first week. Insane. Completely insane. Um, I'm gonna just guess five. That's like eighteen. Eighteen went to number one. Eighteen. Whoa! Mind blowing. Uh, yeah. Um, well, though the now compilations are still being made and still charting, they they aren't charting as well as they used to. Um, this week, in fact, the latest in the series. Now that's what I call music, Volume Seventy Nine. Oh dang! Debuts at number one hundred and eighty-seven on the Billboard two hundred with about seven thousand copies sold. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do you know so what songs? Do you know what songs are on it? Um, uh, no, well, give me a second. I call music seventy-nine. <laughs> okay, I think I got it. Oh, we've got um, Billie got Eilish, it? "Your Power," "Masked Wolf," "Astronaut in the Ocean," "Doja Cat and SZA," "Kiss Me More," "Peaches," "Justin Bieber," "POV," "Ariana Grande," "Telepatia" by Kaliuchis. We have Olivia Rodrigo, "Deja Vu." Wow, there you go. That's a pretty good snapshot of twenty twenty-one. Deja vu, but no good for you? Huh? They chose deja vu. Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, well, there you have it. 20 years ago this week, now was the time on the Billboard 200 chart as now <laughs> seven debuted atop the list. Um, We've reached the end of our big shoe. Any parting words, Katie? Oh, what a... I feel like we've had a lot of good nostalgia trips lately. You're hitting my sweet spot, 99 to 2000, 2001. That's, that's what I like to reminisce on, apparently. Um, should we go out on, on another song from Now 7? 100%, yes. Um, how about All For You by Janet Jackson? Done. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.